gentlemen and welcome to Wednesday Night Prayer Meeting, a podcast about the history of jazz as told from the perspective of someone who's been piecing it together one record at a time over the course of 20 odd years digging through record bands. I'm your host Frank and that was Mingus Fingers, one of Charles Mingus's earliest compositions performed by Baron Mingus and his Rhythm, a group comprised of Charles Mingus on bass, Buddy Collette on clarinet, Chuck Thompson on drums, and Jimmy Bunn on piano. I did an episode a few weeks back about Charles Mingus and have since been reading a lot about him and listening to a lot of his music and realized that I'd like to put together a more thorough treatment of the history of his recordings. So this episode will focus on his early work as a sideman and a leader from the middle 40s to about 1956 when he signed to Atlantic Records. One of the many remarkable facts about Mingus is that he started his own independent record label, Debut Records, 
due to the perception that record companies are ripping off jazz musicians, and much of the content for this episode will come from records released on that label. Coming up next is an exception to that, however, a song he recorded in a trio with Red Norvo and Tal Farlow called Where or When. Enjoy. Thank you. 
That was Relaxo Abstracto from the album Evolution by Teddy Charles with Teddy on vibes, J.R. Montrose on tenor, Mingus on bass, and Jerry Siegel drumming. Before that was Blue Tide from the album Strings and Keys, the first album released on debut, with Mingus on bass and Spalding Gibbons on piano. And starting that set off was Where or When from the album Norvo, Mingus, and Farlow Trio by Red Norvo, with Red on vibes, Mingus on bass, and Tal Farlow on guitar. In his autobiography, Mingus describes his time in Norvo's trio and the effect that Jim Crow attitudes had on it. He explains the end of his time in the trio in one of the book's most controversial passages. How does it feel when the Redheads trio is asked to do an important special television show in color? It feels great. At night you're playing this first class club and daytimes you're rehearsing in the studio. One day during a break you're tuning the bass and you see this producer or somebody talking to the Redhead across the room and they're both looking at you. You feel something is wrong, but you don't know what. In a few minutes, some guy calls out, that's all for today, tomorrow at 10, and everyone leaves. While you're packing up, the redhead comes over and says something like this, Charlie, I'm sorry to tell you, but I have to get another basis for this show. We'll continue with the club, but I can't use you here. What do you say? You ask the new name of the new basis, of course. He tells you, the basis is white. Now what do you do? Curse him out? Probably. You don't remember what you said. He goes away fast. That night he doesn't come to the club, he sends word he's sick. After that somehow you never get a chance to talk to him, he comes late and cuts out early. You have to find out. You start going by where he's staying, at a residential hotel on Broadway, but the desk always says he's not in, they won't even ring. You never get a chance to discuss it with him. Shit, he can't talk anyway, can't talk about anything real, only about what chick you're going with and like that. You can't talk to the guitarist about it either, he never says anything. Two dumb white boys that can't talk to you. So you quit the trio. How can you play with guys you can't talk to? You wonder and wonder why he didn't tell you face to face or why he didn't walk off the TV job. Some leaders would have. He wanted the money too bad. If he'd hired Red Mitchell or somebody like that to replace you, you might even have believed it was something to do with your playing. But what's good in a club is good anywhere else, wouldn't you think? It didn't take much to figure it out. The way television was in those days, they had sponsors who worried about the southern market and mixing was taboo. Yeah, there are certain things in this life that nobody likes to talk about. Nobody white, that is. Coming up next is Smog LA. Enjoy.
That was Cunning Bird from the album New Faces by Jimmy Nepper with Nepper on trombone and doing the arrangements, Joe Maini on alto, Bill Triglia on piano, Mingus on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. Before that was Nature Boy from Miles Davis's album on debut with Miles on trumpet, Mingus on bass, Britt Woodman on trombone, Teddy Charles on vibes, and Elvin Jones on drums. And starting that set off was Smog LA from the album Jazz Composers Workshop with Mingus on bass. Kenny Clark on drums, Wally Cirillo on piano, and Tio Macero on tenor. Tio Macero was an interesting guy. He produced many of what are widely considered some of the best albums uh, in jazz, including Miles Davis' Kind of Blue and all of his records with Gil Evans, uh, In a Silent Way, Bitches Brew, and many more, Dave Brubeck's Take Five, Monk's Dream by Thelonious Monk, and several of Mingus' Columbia albums like Mingus Ah Um and his orchestral album Let My Children Hear Music. He made his first album as a band leader, Explorations, for Mingus' label, and coming up next is the title track from that record. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Before that was Move from the album, album Trombone Rapport, Jazz Workshop Volume 1 with Willie Dennis, Bernie Green, J.J. Johnson, and Kai Winding on trombones, John Lewis on piano, Mingus on bass, and Art Taylor on drums. 
And starting that set off was Explorations from the album of the same name by Tio Macero, with Tio on tenor, Lanny DJ on accordion, Mingus on bass, and Ed Shaughnessy on drums. Coming up next is a cut from another Jazz Workshop album, Extrasensory Perception. Enjoy.
that was Split Kick from Paul Blay's first album, introducing Paul Blay with Blay on piano, Mingus on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. Before that was Pendulum at Falcon's Lair from the album The New Oscar Pettiford Sextet with Pettiford on cello, Julius Watkins on French horn, Phil Urso on tenor, Walter Bishop Jr. on piano, and Charles Mingus on bass, and Percy Bryce on the drums. And starting that set off was Extrasensory Perception from the album Autobiography and Jazz by the Jazz Workshop with Paige Brook on alto, Jackson Wiley on cello, John Megan on piano, Mingus on bass, and Max Roach on drums. The long piece for tonight is going to be from Mingus' first album for Atlantic Records and also the first album that Mingus made where he insisted that the musicians learn the pieces by ear rather than being provided with arrangement charts or sheet music or chord changes. I think it serves as a good introduction to his mature work, not just as a bassist, but as an arranger and band leader, an area where I think he made his most interesting and unique contributions to the evolution of jazz. The album's called Pithecanthropus Erectus, and this is the title cut, a tone poem about, according to Mingus's liner notes, depicting the rise of man from his hominid roots to an eventual downfall due to his own failure to realize the inevitable emancipation of those he sought to enslave and his greed in attempting to stand on a false security. It features Mingus on bass, Jackie McLean on alto, J.R. Montrose on tenor, Mal Waldron on piano, and Willie Jones on drums. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy.